School Stories is a podcast about creative people and their relationships with school. I interview friends, colleagues, and strangers about how school did or did not support their growth as a creative person. We discuss how school informs who we become in unexpected ways and what we wish for education moving forward. At School Stories, we know that our identities are wrapped up in our schooling experiences, and we're eager to learn from those experiences so we can do better for creative kids everywhere. Because we know creative kids are all kids. Sarah Wolsey is the founder of the Impact Guild, a collaborative co-working community united around working with a purpose. The Impact Guild is my chosen co-working space, and I've loved working from here for a lot of reasons, but Sarah's warmth is chief among them. Sarah is passionate about social innovation and community-based enterprises, and that passion is at the core of the Impact Guild's culture. The way Sarah talks about her work is incredibly inspiring and has already informed the ways that I think about my own. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. And if you do, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thanks. In an ecosystem, the most fertile ground happens at the margin. It happens where, like, mm-hmm. the land meets the water and mm-hmm. what's going on there, that that's where, like, the most nutrient-rich portion of yeah. exists. And so I just, I literally think that there's something to that metaphor of, like, one, all different types are needed to make an ecosystem function. Yeah. Uh, but two, the things that happen at those, like, margins or intersections is kind of often where creativity is born. Good. Yeah. A little sleepy. Yeah. Is it Wednesday? Yeah, it's Wednesday. I think so, yeah. How, what have you been up to that's made you? Went to the valley, to the Rio. Oh, that's a big trip. Yeah. So Elizabeth and I were down there. We went Monday after work and then came back um, yesterday. And we're doing this project that she's put together with some students down there. Mm -hmm. Um, So in two weekends, we're going to, I'm going to guide a group of students who have like a business idea with how to share, like to how develop that out a little bit and then bring their own kind of story into it cool. as well, especially like being mm-hmm. from the border, some are from Mexico, some yeah. are grew up in the U S and how that's kind of framed who they are and what, like mm. why they're wanting to pursue this thing. That's huge. And then at the end of the weekend, she's taking a group of investor people mm-hmm. around the Valley all weekend and just kind of teeing up cool. the context. And then, they'll get in the same room together and we're not calling it a pitch because we really don't want it to feel like shark tanky yeah um but more of like then how can they make an invitation to those folks to like join them on that journey and mm. it might be financial but it might be mentorship cool. or whatnot yes it's really That's stretching such a cool I'm project totally intimidated by, <laughs> by, by what part of it by the- um just it feels weighty of like one like the vulnerability of their stories and mm-hmm. kind of um, asking them to share in ways that even like some students' families have told them not to participate just because they don't like to be mm-hmm. on their radar because yeah. um, of like their like immigration status. Yeah. Um, and so just the vulnerability of them being able, yeah. willing to share it. And then 
it just feels a little bit like uncharted. I really like facilitating and doing things like that, but it always is in that stretching Oh, zone, totally, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, and then bringing a group, like the group she's curated are like no joke as far as just like their influence. And so I feel a weightiness like getting to participate in um, in the project with her and want to deliver well in that regard, but then, like, wanting, knowing that, like, these students' stories are valuable, but wanting to make sure that comes together well yeah. for this group of people who are giving their time that, like, yeah. are the deans of, of you know, universities things. and things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. That sounds really cool. I love the idea. I mean, we should, like, do the actual podcast, but I love the idea of, um, like, starting a business from a place of story because especially in the entrepreneurial culture it can feel so rat racy or like not rat racy but sort of like I don't know you know what I mean Um, I do well in like the workshop we were just in that like grit and entrepreneurship requires so much sticking to it and pushing through the barriers that will come up which is that grit and that actually the factors scientifically that play into that are passion and purpose and things like that and so those things are born really deep inside of Mm -hmm. us I love that Nellie said you they don't even really know the science behind where uh, the per like purpose yeah comes from because it's so yeah intrinsic. totally yeah I've been thinking a lot about a lot of about it a lot because I find myself in situations where I'm like in these like sort of corporate settings like talking to people about my business and what I offer and and in the process also telling this really vulnerable story about like my own upbringing and my own educational background and like talking about my weaknesses in that in that system and. And and I, I'm like, this feels like an odd setting to be like going this deep, yeah, but it feels- also is such an important part of the pitch, I guess. In right, and it feels so countercultural. Of like, I I actually should be presenting this like completely buttoned up, and then people are gonna like try and throw rocks at it, and <laughs> yeah. it's still standing. And it's like, <laughs> holy cow, that feels really vulnerable. Yeah. Versus, and even what you're doing with the podcast is like inviting people for how. One, sharing your own story of why you've gotten to like what you're creating, which mm-hmm. I think is actually a beautiful exploration of that. And then inviting people and acknowledging that everybody is coming to it with their own personal experience and personal yeah. story and inviting them to like intersect with your business idea from the place of their personal story. Like you're doing that so beautifully oh, through this. You. you know, like <laughs> yeah. I think that's really cool. Thank you. The other question that I've been asking people that has been kind of a flop, but I'm just going to keep trying it and see how it goes, <laughs> um, is what's something that's capturing your attention at the moment? Hmm. It can be anything. It can be, like, a thought. It can be, like, a song. It can be, like, anything. So, literally, because of what I've been doing this week, this is not a political answer, is the border yeah. Um, like Elizabeth and I listened to this other podcast from Radiolab on the way back, um, exploring, it's called a border trilogy. And this anthropologist goes out into the desert in Arizona and just explores everything that's been left behind from people crossing the border. Whoa. And just uh, dr- literally driving four hours through the expansiveness yeah. between San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And our border with Mexico yesterday, I just, I mean, that's like a very short term, but like today and yesterday, like that's capturing my attention and feels 
big and weighty and complex and very human. Yeah. And so I think today I've just been feeling kind of a weightiness with totally. that. Totally. Yeah. It's it feels really abstract when you only when your only engagement with it is through like political discourse. But when you drive past the what's the check mark the checkpoint? Did you guys drive through it? Yep. Because I, I used to do that drive for my job like once every two weeks. Yes. Um, and like the human interaction between you and the guards and like totally. I've had some really interesting experiences with dif- driving through it with different people and how that experience shifts depending on who's in the car with you and what seat yeah. you're in and all of that like yeah. it's just it makes it really real and then like being in Brownsville and like being able to see Mexico like down the street yeah and like how just like yeah it's really interesting so yeah I completely agree. Yes. Um, cool. Well, we'll start more traditionally now, and I'll just ask you to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do professionally and recreationally. Perfect. So I am Sarah Woolsey. I am the founder of the Impact Guild, which the Impact Guild is a space that we're creating for change makers, entrepreneurs, creatives to come together and kind of bring their passions to life. So a major way that looks like right now is co-working as a co-working space. Uh, but I also have really um, other visions of what it will grow into just as far as, like I said, a place for people to bring those things to life. And that looks like getting to know and build um, a network and a community of people. And so we're just a little over a year in, but I think my absolute favorite part is just like our friendship that we're building mm-hmm. and getting to really um, know the different stories of people and what they're in pursuit of and how they're exploring where a business intersects with purpose and with community impact um, and trying to set the stage for that. So those are all, I, do, I guess I dove more into personal passions and interests, but that all kind of manifests itself through the Impact Guild. Um, and then uh, it's also, it's this all kind of been an experiment to um, break down a lot of the silo, the way we often silo things out in life. So like um, we're in a really residential area here at the Impact Guild and also get to explore what it looks like to be a good neighbor like as an organization and how to be a part of our community and my husband and I also moved two blocks away and so we have just been it's become kind of a personal passion just to get to know our neighborhood and really Mm -hmm. simplify life a little bit and spend time on our front porch and walk to the taqueria nearby or the coffee shop nearby and just intentionally become way more hyper local in that way um and so that's it's weird but like that's kind of become one of our pastimes is just like slowing down a little bit and it coincided kind of beautifully with having uh, a daughter a little over a year ago yeah and um which is also really nice just to not like load her up in a car seat and drive Mm -hmm. halfway across town to go to a different restaurant or whatnot and so yeah, that's kind of how that I like it. feels really well aligned with San Antonio as a city to me. And I don't know if that's just because I'm sort of an outsider because I'm so, somewhat new to San Antonio, and also San Antonio is so different from any other city I've lived in. But one way that I often describe it to people is it it feels like 
just like a bunch of different neighborhoods. It feels like a series of different neighborhoods. And like in the way that my neighborhood works is so different from any other neighborhood I've lived lived in before. Like I get like handwritten invitations from people I've never met like a block away. Like strangers show up at my door and like ring my doorbell to, to, for, to tell me like that, I don't know, something that's going on in the neighborhood. And that never would have happened growing up in Houston or in any of the other cities that I lived in. So that feels like a good match. The San Antonio thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that experience. It, well, I do a little think, bit think it depends on where you live oh, within totally. the city. But yeah, and I think it's some of our even like the culture of just like very familial, very mm-hmm. community-based. I love that. Yeah. And, and the pace of life just mm-hmm. truly being a little bit slower. Yeah. yeah. It's I taught agree. me a lot. It's good. Um, okay, so you kind of told us a little bit about the impact killed and the intention behind it. Um, can you talk about, well, can you say more about the intention behind it? Like what guided you to start it? There were a few things in my um, career journey, I think, that led uh, led me to be really interested in some of the things that the Impact Guild is about. Um, one being really how can business be a force for good um, and how can we explore different economic models that actually fuel the mission behind an organization and kind of breaking down necessarily the mindsets between nonprofit and for-profit and that those those structures are important, but those are kind of how you deal with finances and some of those things and not that we can't merge um, and have some alignment even in something that um, is for the community could still have a sustainable revenue model behind mm-hmm. it. And one of the things that planted those seeds for me was working for a small nonprofit right out of college, um, which was a good experience in a lot of ways. I also saw how much time we spent on fundraising and this other piece that feel that felt um, different and kind of sometimes in tension with the mission and the work that Mm -hmm. we were trying to do. Um, So we're um, a youth camp working with kids, but also over here doing like golf tournament fundraisers and things like that. And just, just planted some question marks. I think Mm -hmm. that those things aren't bad, but are there other opportunities? Mm -hmm. Um, Cause then I got experience more. I, I was learning a lot about, um, I, got to do like the communications and the storytelling and the marketing and realized that was a big passion and I really enjoyed that. Um, So I went into an agency world um, and did that at a communications agency here in San Antonio and also learned a lot there that I think fueled, I realized, oh, this wasn't just things that were churning in the nonprofit world. Like I still really enjoy working with purpose-built organizations who have that at their core and start started to learn um, even more about some different methodologies or ways of thinking. Um, so, yeah, I think um, in, in like the agency world, I got exposed to, and I this is interesting, I think in a creativity lens, to things like human-centered design. Mm-hmm. So I started to think about and be exposed to design, not just as graphic design, what does your logo look like, uh, but really how can we design experiences that 
that people connect with or how can we design potentially solutions to problems that exist out in the world and this human-centered design idea that actually the people in those communities hold really creative thoughts and Mm -hmm. solutions and ideas for those things and if we just ask the right questions and then listen empathetically that usually a solution can bubble up within a community so that whole idea of applying um, a design process then of um, of then even how could you begin to put um, a first iteration of a solution out into the world and get people to react to that mm-hmm. and learning some of this language of like, oh, that's prototyping. So that's right. this idea mm-hmm. of like um, getting people to respond to that and then tweaking it based on what you're hearing and then doing this. And it takes out this like, um, for me, I... I started thinking about the difference of like, then it's not this Mad Men kind of era, big reveal where the sheet comes off of the (laughs) poster and it's like, oh, you totally missed the mark. You don't know our brand at all. Or you nailed it. Now let's all go drink whiskey. And and it's this like more like there isn't this moment like that because all along the way there's listening and there's tweaking and there's response. And then you also don't have to go get the buy-in. I mean, you still buy-in is an important part of the process, but you have done that all along the way yeah. with people. And it just like provides this mutuality in a mm-hmm. community where um, all voices are important, all backgrounds and perspectives are important rather than often a hierarchy. And so... Yeah. Quite frankly, I'm just still learning about all of those things, but this is a really fun place to experiment with what mm-hmm. that means and looks like and to get to know a lot of other people who are doing things creatively and like yeah, explore the connections between those. So that's I Yeah, no, that was that well a, a lot of things a lot of things came up while you were talking about that. One was like I've been so I've been trying to figure out I've been trying to articulate what the connection between like what design thinking the connection between design thinking and human centered design and what I do as like a K through 12 educator because I mean I think we immediately in sharing like what we do noticed that there was some overlap but it seemed it's always seemed weird to me because I never like saw myself in this community of design thinkers and human centered designers because that's like an adult world and I'm sort of in a kid world Um, but it makes me think a lot about like how a classroom is a microcosm for human centered design because all educators are doing are creating learning experiences for kids and how like the, when you talk about like, um, when you talk about empathizing with a community and listening to a community and like letting them be collaborators in the process of developing a solution like that again to me is just mirrors what I so much what educators talk about when they talk about classroom culture and developing um, like campus communities and like there's just so much overlap so yeah it's really interesting yeah, I to wonder me. how much is just semantics and language differences mm-hmm. you know that like a different set of yeah languages. it's just different jargon <laughs> a little bit yeah because you're right that a lot of that process is happening yeah um cool so Will you say more about what events in your life, like even like a just a timeline of sort of like 
how you got involved in starting the Impact Guild and how it came to be. Yes, sure. And from there, I was just feeling more and more of a pull to want to work with organizations that had more purpose at Mm -hmm. their heart. Um, So I actually branched out with a couple of business partners and we decided to create our own agency um, doing kind of cause marketing or um, really niching ourselves even Mm -hmm. more to be a branding agency that worked um, to help people kind of take a stand for good, develop campaigns around that. And I um, figured out pretty quickly, I actually don't think this is fully it for me. This is cool and an interesting world, but concurrently, I just started to wonder about um, something that was even more community-based. We were pitching a lot of much more established, larger organizations, and I guess I just have this kind of rogue entrepreneurial spirit (laughs) and was like, I I just want to work with people who like these little ideas are just a seedling, and how could we like... More people who felt like that on a peer level, I guess, because yeah. I had those same things bubbling up inside of me. Um, and then, honestly, for there's there's a faith based piece of this for mm-hmm. me as well that's fueled um, by my faith. And so, I even was starting to have some conversations inside of my church as far as um, what what is like the churches role in this or mm-hmm. is there one because for me like f- being fueled from a purposeful place that's that's where a lot of that resides mm-hmm. is like in my belief system so just are there ways to mash some of these things up and um and then it just kind of I was this like beautiful storm of timing quite frankly where um one of the clients with that little agency that we had started, mm-hmm. one of our clients um, has become really like a, a like such deep friendship with this organization and the people who are a part of it. So it's called Matrushka House, and they're based in London because a lot of this. Um, I think a lot of this has taken root in London to a whole another degree, or just in mm-hmm. Europe, like a little bit. There's there's been more happening for a bit longer, yeah. um, and so they so for for a project with Kickstand, the agency that I had started, um, I got to go over there and be a part of one of the things that they put on, but also their leadership just kind of invited and said, "Hey, we also do this accelerator program." Mm-hmm why don't you come take this little inkling of an idea for maybe creating a space where people can explore these ideas. Mm -hmm. I started to wonder about co-working just um, as a piece of it, just because it made sense. If you're talking about building a community of entrepreneurs and what's a sustainable economic model behind (laughs) that, I was like, oh, well, a lot of people have figured this out. And so um, co-working as a piece of it just kind of made sense. And so I just took that idea it was April of 2015 over to their make good course in on like the beautiful like uh, hillside, ocean side. Wow. Uh, this place was insane in Devon in England. And for a wow. week just got to like concentrate on this idea. And it kind of legitimized it in my own head Mm -hmm. like it had just been this thing that didn't feel like it could really be a reality necessarily but giving it that much space and attention and then having really wonderful 
uh, mentors and people be able to kind of speak into that felt uh, like started to feel really real. And then in the way their program is set up, you are pitching at the end. So there's also like a good, I think, healthy amount of pressure to like make some decisions, even if they don't have to stick to like actually be able to articulate. So like I came up with the name over there and just, you know, just how to talk about it. Yeah. Um, And then also got an email while I was there that uh, from um, one of the pastors of the church that I'm a part of that said, hey, this space, this building has just become available to us for a dollar a year for the next 10 years. (laughs) What? We kind That's of insanity. we kind of need a piece of it to to meet out of um, for our staff, but we really want it to be for the city. Yeah. So how how about like the vision that is being built? What if it were to happen out of this space? And so that that's like mind blowing. It felt it felt like providential. Yeah. Quite frankly, like the timing yeah. was just kind of insane, and so it wow. was just like all right, I guess this is going to be a real thing because I can be one to be stymied by fears and the unknown, and especially when it comes to financial risk. And so it had still all stayed very theoretical of like, but how do you really do that? Um, And just felt like, okay, this is... So I feel, and sometimes when I like think about that or say, say that story, especially retrospectively, like it can feel like, and then all the pieces just fell into place. (laughs) And it's like, really no. Because then we spent the next 18 months on a ton of different details on getting the space even a bit usable and, um, or beyond a bit usable, but it like 18 months of renovation and fundraising and just things like that. So like there was a grind to it as well, as well as the, this, these pieces falling into place, which I feel like is often the balance, right? Cause it is, it can be a lie of like. It just all the skies open. Yeah, it's up nice to have that caveat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> then then listeners don't walk away. Like when I hear stories like that, I, it makes it sort of makes 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 me walk away and be, and feel like, oh well, if it's meant to be, it will be. And like, there's a little bit of like yeah. lack of agency behind it. But knowing that both whatever you believe in will provide for you, and also you have to like put in your part those two things I think together. Yeah. absolutely absolutely because yeah. there's a lot of time where it's like choosing to keep pushing and grinding and connecting yeah. and doing those things yeah as well. yeah. yeah the space wouldn't just appear and then the impact guild opens <laughs> right <laughs> there's a lot of things that happen between <laughs> right. those two things which was honestly well and I well, maybe we're going down a, a tangent that isn't that helpful but I do think it was an interesting piece of it that um, it took a year and a half mm-hmm. um, because it caused me to have to start to experiment in some other ways and say, a space, it doesn't magically equate to community. Yeah. Um, and so how, in fact, I never want it to be about a building. So how do we begin to experiment around building community and connectivity around the types of people and the types of conversations that we want to be about yeah. well before Yeah, you're, that's my next space. question. But before I get into that, there are two things I want to say. Mm-hmm. One is the piece you mentioned about like um, being called to connect with people who have a seedling of an idea rather than like bigger corporations or organizations feels really aligned with just like the sensation of the space. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because like you're in it, it, like you're like physically inside of the space that was like 
at one point a seedling mm. in your mind. Yeah. And I don't know, something about that. It's just really inspiring to work in a place where you can kind of see where the idea originated and see it coming into existence in real time. Mm. Um, well, that to me felt like back to that design yeah. thinking process. That feels really important as a part of what we're journeying and learning about here, right? Like if we came in with like, and and we're going to do these exact resources and you know, these workshops and, and this set of things, it would have like taken a trajectory that maybe or maybe not aligned with the people Mm -hmm. who are here. Mm. But if we're actually talking about building interconnectivity between people, then like, we've actually only done one workshop here that wasn't led by a member mm-hmm. getting to share their their thing. And and so all of that feels really important that like we all be kind of activated mm-hmm. around everybody who's a part of the thing bringing their own skills and gifts yeah. and creativity to the table and therefore it's actually forming this thing that's bigger than any one person or one vision. And you just couldn't can't know what that it's going to be or what form mm-hmm. that's going to take yeah. until kind of walking in that. Yeah, it has to be super organic. Yeah. So. Um, okay, well, I think you are already started talking about this, but my next question was around, um, I I feel like the thing that sets the Impact Guild apart from other co-working spaces is the community aspect of it. I mean, and it just feels different. Like, other, sure, other co-working spaces have community components, but it feels so central here um, and so organic. So I was wanted, wanted to hear why that was so important to you, which maybe you already spoke to, um, and sort of how you've gone about creating such a, what feels like a really inclusive, supportive community. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that makes me excited that it feels <laughs> like that. I think... Um, I think it really is kind of that design thinking process at work. So Mm -hmm. I think that it like takes conversations and like opening doors and avenues for listening. Mm -hmm. And so really trying to do that with regularity to hear um, where people are, where maybe they're feeling stuck or struggling or where they're looking for connection or a question they have. And those are the moments that that open up in like the white space. And so I, sometimes I really struggle cause I used to like completely plan out my days. And now I feel like like 50% of the day ends up being the unexpected and the conversations. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's learning to be good with that because yeah. realizing that's actually is the heart of it and yeah, the work. Totally. Oftentimes when we think about like entrepreneurship or like bringing your idea into existence, it can feel like, a very singular process like it's my vision and I have to execute my vision and this feels like a very collective like there's a collective vision yeah yeah agreed a quilt absolutely (laughs) yeah it's this I use that analogy of like the threads weaving together that just get tighter and tighter and like you can't no no one color or one piece could paint the whole tapestry or picture I completely agree yeah it's really cool how would you describe the role of creativity at the Impact Guild. We've talked a lot about community and creativity has come up a little bit. Like, but what would you say the role of creativity is here? That's a great it's question. It's kind of an abstract question, but... No, it's a great question. Well, one... Um, so so the, the big picture vision here is to catalyze, like, social innovation. 
And I pro- I heard somebody much smarter than myself say it, and I think I've adopted this, so I don't know. I don't know where it came from originally. But um, I really think that, like, creativity and innovation happen at the intersection of really disparate things or really mm-hmm. different things. And that's often where, like, something new is born and yeah. some new idea, some new concept. And so it feels really tied in with the community piece to me that, like, it is, well, one, it's the intersection of exploring where business also meets the the city and the community and the needs that we mm-hmm. see out there in the world and that there's there's a big creative spark that can Mm. happen there by exploring Mm -hmm. those intersections. I think there's something to not all being from the same industry or the same way of thinking. So we have people um, in the food realm, in the tech realm, in the real estate realm, students, um, just kind of everybody bringing a really different Mm -hmm. background and perspective that can come together in a really beautiful way. And then, uh, There's a metaphor that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about that, again, comes from others smarter than myself, um, of a ecology or um, and just how in an ecosystem the most fertile ground happens at the margin. It happens where Mm -hmm. like the land meets the water and Mm -hmm. what's going on there, that that's where like the most nutrient rich portion of exists. And so I just, I literally think that there's something to that metaphor of like one, all different types are needed to make an ecosystem function. Yeah. Uh, But two, the things that happen at those like, margins or intersections is kind of often where creativity is born sometimes out of need but sometimes just out of um sharing two things and seeing what what sparks between somebody with a real estate background and somebody who knows a need for a food desert who come together and then think really differently Mm -hmm. about how that could be approached yeah oh I love that the ecosystem analogy, the yeah, that's a really that's beautiful. Um, one thing that I was thinking about earlier when you were talking about like how you, one of the adjustments you've had to make is um, like letting go of how planned your days are, and it's funny. I mean, I know that's especially true for me for you because I see you like having like interacting constantly with people. But even as a member here, like it feels it feels like that's an adjustment for for me too because. And I'm sure for a lot of people who are coming from either working at home or working like I did in sort of like a cubicle yeah. situation. Um, and and really reframing it not as distraction, but as opportunities for that kind of intersection to occur. Yeah. Um, and seeing it as part of the work rather than separate a distraction from, from the work. work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean to always let it in, but yeah, it's been an interesting as a yeah. as a participant in the mm. community mm. Um, to have to make to sort of have to make that adjustment too. Well, I grew up with a really creative father, which mm. is super fun, and I think he charted a really um, neat way of how to balance even the bit you were just talking about here at the Impact Guild of um, getting it done and not mm. using like creativity as an excuse to chase a thousand different things Mm. but still be focused but be so he's an architect 
Um, and so we just literally always like pencils and erasers and sketches like spread out on our living room table always. And yeah. him like, okay, we're all watching something as a family and he's over there sketching. And so um, just, um, and, and even had a business when we were growing up where he would curate um, different artists like goods and had a storefront that had that. So I like yeah. have memories of like riding around on the dollies, like amongst <laughs> people's stuff. So yeah. that felt like, and like, and he was running his own architecture firm and like that merged this stuff. So seeing that entrepreneurial spirit alive in that too, like I'm realizing more and more the older I get all the little like granules that yeah. that planted that were, um, that were really formative for me, which interestingly, um, I feel like I didn't really explore that as much through the traditional school vein. Mm-hmm. So I very much, um, and I, pr- I, I probably put a lot of this and did a lot of this myself, but it felt to me in my school experience, which was I grew up in the Hill Country, mm-hmm. um, about an hour from San Antonio, so one public high school for Whoa, yeah. for the, the city, mm-hmm. right? You went to the school, TFND. Um, <laughs> no, um, so so it was interesting that um, I I always lumped things into more like artistic or a fine arts filter of Mm -hmm. like and I never felt present in those realms and it felt again small town public school it felt like you did that or you did did sports and I did sports so I didn't do that right um and so I feel like I just like and again, uh, probably a lot of that was my own. I don't, I don't know why, but just kind of my own, like it feeling like an either or path, and yeah. I chose a different one. And so, I didn't lump myself into that kind of like creative category. And I also feel like I, uh, I am a perfectionist, like mm-hmm. to the T. Um, and any, I'm learning about the Enneagram. I'm a one. I is the perfectionist person. So I cared a whole lot about getting the grade. Yeah. And so I just wanted to do what it would take to um, achieve and to perform and to fall in line of, like, what was expected. Mm-hmm. And, like, so it felt to me, like, as I've been reflecting on this, it felt like there was a certain degree of creativity that might be rewarded in that realm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you didn't just record, but you like knew the way to the right type of like way to take that to the next degree and mm-hmm. think a little bit outside the box, but not too far outside the box. So I, right. I played oh, that game. Yeah. I played that game and cause I cared about the grade, right? Like it mattered right. to me, like I'm going to be at the top of my class and that's what I was pursuing. And so I feel like I shut myself off perhaps to a bunch of opportunity mm-hmm. maybe to like explore those things through a traditional, yeah. um, vein of school but I'm really glad I I saw it a lot in different ways in my home environment and it I think always looked just um I think so I think that planted those seedlings more so to to explore that that's yeah 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 that's (laughs) (laughs) 
I like how I feel like both after both of us talk, we're both just like, I don't know what the, I just said. Yeah. <laughs> but it was Whatever something. that was. <laughs> um, well, what's really interesting or what stands out to me about that is like, ooh, your, it sounds like a big part of your, of like perspective growing up was like these categories um, and these silos of like, this is, this is creative. This is not creative. Um, and then, uh, and now you're doing the work of like breaking down those yeah. silos, which is Man. really interesting. Yeah, I feel like I'm like in a whole <laughs> therapy session. This is good. I'm, I'm just in it, noticing. This is what I do. Yeah. Um, and it, a big part of the work that I'm doing and something that I've been thinking about a ton and talking to a lot of people about is like, um, how this really narrow definition of creativity marginalizes so many people mm. um, from engaging creatively because we think of creativity as like in the way that creativity looks in our schooling system, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm not criticizing it. Is that it's like you're in the art, you're a theater kid, you're in the art class yeah. or you're like, is that maybe that's it? You're on the dance team. Yeah. And if you're not in those three things, then you're not creative. Yeah. And so, like, that's the narrative we start to adopt as kids. And so, and so like, we become so detached from creativity if we're not a part of those exactly. activities. And so what's cool about, so cool about what you're doing now and what really resonates with me about the space is just how broad, mm. how wide the net is cast for creativity. I don't know if that's the right way to use that phrase. Yeah. But um, it feels like part of your work is acknowledging the creativity across everybody's mm discipline mm-hmm. um really this good. new little section is the rapid fire section which is probably really good for you because you told me that you're a slow processor yeah. so <laughs> good. We'll see how it goes. so bad um so I'll just ask you questions and the idea is to give like the first thing that comes to your mind okay like a one or two word kind of thing yeah or if you've rambled that's fine too oh okay there's no rules the idea is just like less thinking more like oh great of consciousness um, okay, so the first one is, what does creativity mean to you? Ooh, imagination. Mm-hmm. So I, again, heard people smarter than me lately talk about um, expanding our imagination. So I've been exploring a lot around um, creating learning experiences, like getting out. We just had a group in from... DC and New York and London. And for a week, we went around San Antonio. We went to an art gallery. We did a taco hop, like a pub crawl, but between taquerias. We um, went over to the botanical gardens. We did all of these things just to kind of get out and talk about where business meets purpose, meets um, all of just to broaden imagination and mm-hmm. to think about these things differently and say just to just to think about a business idea we don't need to be like in a conference room with sticky notes all over the wall which I do love sticky notes but like <laughs> just how does getting out and seeing the ways that other people are doing things broaden our imagination mm-hmm. for what's mm-hmm. possible yeah yeah, one of the things that oh god, I'm doing bad. The rapid fire. I'm not supposed to. Do that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but one of the things that I really liked from the workshop today was she said something about how interests don't emerge out of introspection, mm-hmm. um, and that made me think a lot about what I, the framework that I've developed for Crea and like how to, yeah, how to get kids out and experiencing in order to spark their interest. But yeah, what value does creativity add to your life? Oh. 
Honestly, I think it's fueled me. I used to have a pretty homogenous friendships. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's really fueled that if, if I, if I really back into like how it's changed the way I do everyday life, I think it's fueled really, um, wanting to be around all different types of people and hear their stories and mm-hmm. learn from them or be in different areas of the city or go to different, different types of things this after I was talking about how we're trying to really be hyper local (laughs) but um but I but it's really fueling like wanting to get out and try a whole host of new things and now they have a one-year-old it's same thing I feel and actually when Nellie said that during the workshop about um interests aren't found through introspection that's how it challenged me was like oh feeling like the spark of like how important it is to like get out and as a family and and for Micah's sake like get into the world and experience a lot of different things Mm -hmm. and just see that wonder and what that can open up even if we don't know how those dots connect for a really long time or even if we never quite realize how those dots are connecting believing in the power of what kind of expanding our thinking uh, yeah is doing yeah I love that mm-hmm. what practices support your creativity oh that's good so I feel it I uh, am introverted and I say that from the definition of I really need to be kind of quiet and alone to to feel restored and rejuvenated and so I really feel it when I don't have enough kind of white space in mm. my life to um, to process and to let some of those connections happen. When it's like thing to thing to thing, I kind of shut down and I feel like that really does stifle creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, but when there's not really an agenda behind something. Um, and so being from the hill country, I still really love getting out into the hill mm-hmm. country and like along the water or um, just kind of out and away from the city is really great. But but also it can just be as simple as um, time on time on our front porch, like with a book or with a cocktail and somebody to talk to and just like just something without an agenda Mm -hmm. and a certain direction it has to go um or a certain just like schedule that is being followed in like a really linear way it's really nice to me to just have um have that kind of open time and space yeah no that's I've been thinking so much about that because part of what I'm trying to do is create educational experiences that facilitate creativity. And in typically in education spaces, they're really objective driven and it's all about like, okay, here's the outcome that you're going to produce in this given amount of time. I mean, and there, it needs to be some of that. Um, But I've been really thinking about and not in any concrete way, but just sort of like mulling over the idea that, yeah, how do you how do you open up that space in educational settings without it being like too free form or like objection objective lists? Um, because I feel the same way in my creative practice. Like if I get too bogged down by procedure or process or um, like protocols, then I sort of lose my 
it like somehow I'm not able to like generate be as generative as I am when I like take a week off and like go hang out with Jared on the beach or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. and you hit on there. I think <clears throat> is really interesting is like just kind of the systems there in pl- that are in place and what they. Um, reward and like even how our measurement systems like what are they looking what are they looking for because whatever it is that we're measuring becomes what matters that's a Mm -hmm. quote from a book and I think it's really significant that it's like if if we're measuring these specific outcomes then that's what is going to be focused on and does and yeah and it's such a balance right like it's not to throw all of that out the door um but to say how can we create some open space for the things that we haven't thought of yet or the places that we haven't go and create ways that those things are rewarded as Mm -hmm. well yeah the rapid fire section is over (laughs) We weren't very good at it. <laughs> also, I don't know how we've already spent an hour talking and I haven't even gotten to the school stuff. Um, are there any stories from school that really impacted your personal or professional or creative identity in a meaningful way? It's interesting. Um, I don't have a really big moment. I do remember, though, and I still think so. this is still kind of a formative story. I remember um, something that happened to my sister and how my parents reacted, and Mm. I think that was formative. Yeah. So I remember that I think my sister was in, like, early middle school, and she had a science teacher that gave her, she too, overachiever, like, you know, always got, and she got some kind of, I don't remember if it was like a conduct rating or actually her grade was a little bit lower. Um, and she went and asked the teacher why. And he said that she asked too many questions. Whoa. And my parents lost their minds. Like, and, and, and told that story for like years to come and still like that teacher's name is like on the list around our house. And like, so I think that was formative to see my parents' reaction to that. And they were not the type to fight battles for us. Uh, but my, my mom is also like not a fiery soul, like in a brash way, but like really flared up and got angry on my sister's behalf at the teacher saying that. And like, I feel like really wanted to validate in her and in us how being inquisitive was such a valuable Mm -hmm. thing and how they really wanted that. And so when you ask that, that is the situation that pops into my head that like, um, I think really deeply instilled in me, Mm -hmm. like, and now I even in in the booth of reflection and realizing (laughs) like even now valuing like really listening and developing empathy and just how crucial that is to learning from others and can lead to creativity. I think that those seeds were planted by their strong reaction in a really beautiful way to the teacher telling her she asked too many questions. Your parents sound really cool. They are. They're amazing. (laughs) Um, When you think about, now that you have a daughter, when you think about education, what do you, and I'm sure like you are probably just starting to think about it because she's not in school yet, right? Um, but what do you hope her educa- for her educational experience that might be different or similar to yours? That's really good. So 
I have really fragmented way to respond to that, I think, um, because it's bits and pieces. And also, my husband and I are still figuring out, and we're not in total alignment. And so we've kind of been like, <laughs> we have to table this. But but it has caused me to think a little bit. And right, she's one and a half. So we're like, we also don't know who she's going to be as a tiny yeah, person. So totally. let's revisit this. But um, But there are some things that when I hear others talk about different learning environments that really ping for me. Um, one... I love the idea of like project based learning environments. Mm-hmm. That, and I don't, I'm so not in this world. I might That's use okay. all the wrong terminology. But um, even somebody was describing to me a school where um, they, and you just referenced one where they like build out an idea um, potentially for a business or whatnot. Um, I think those types of environments, or I've always been intrigued by the like, schools who offer like model UN or things like this where like I think I I, and and in reflecting on that I think there are a few things I value I think them a kiddo being in an environment that is interdisciplinary Mm -hmm. and doesn't silo out all the subjects into these like theoretical distinctive just purely Mm -hmm. academic settings but where they learn the basics but then are challenged to apply them with like real world constraint Mm -hmm. kind of a things Uh, to me that is highly valuable experience um Mm -hmm. and quite frankly the creativity that it would it takes to um, to navigate and to come up with out of the box ideas and solutions, I really like to imagine like an eighteen year old who's had some exposure to that throughout their schooling, yeah. as well as having to do that in group settings, um, mm-hmm. because that's always going to be a piece of it too, is navigating the different dynamics of mm-hmm. what different people bring to the table, as well as personality uh, yeah. interactions and conflicts potentially. And so to me, that holistic type of an environment. Um, And then when I think about it, I'd really like um, for her to be in a school setting that offer that her classmates and her teachers have had really different also backgrounds and upbringings and life experiences than her, because I also think that brings a lens of empathy and listening Mm -hmm. and so as I've thought about it I just think whatever that means and looks like just not having um, a homogenous set of students and faculty feels really important yeah Um, yeah just for all to to kind of broaden the lens on like when and how it's like you'll be learning just as much um, with your teammates or your bandmates or who you're sitting with while eating lunch and all of that and so wanting wanting her to be in a place where all of that is at play yeah Um, and then but but interestingly I mean my time in the communications world I got to work at the same time with a, a Montessori school and a classic education school that uses the Socratic method that were like vastly different schools um, but I um, I really valued like both of those different approaches yeah. and so we don't fall into like one camp necessarily of methodology yeah. in that regard because I could see I can see the value in all those different things but it's creating like an independent thinker um, and somebody who knows also how to kind of articulate their thoughts. Yeah, she's like the perfect age 
like, I feel like there's so much cool stuff happening in education in San Antonio right now. Like, there's a lot of schools that are in there that are, like, the same age as she is. Yes. And by the time, by the time she's school-aged and, like, wanting, you're, like, ready to, like, find the right program for her, they're going to be, like, really built out and, like... Oh, yeah. There's going to be so many cool options. Oh, it's, I mean, it's fascinating to watch. We live directly across the street from um, Mark Twain, which was in middle school when we moved in and now is transitioning. It's in its second year, transitioning to a dual-language academy Mm -hmm. with... Uh, going to be K through eighth, but they're like scaling in each school year, and so we're literally getting to like watch that transition take yeah. place across the street, and I think that's really exciting. That's awesome. Well, that was my last question. Perfect. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh my it gosh, really it's fun. been really fun. Um, and I, this is when we say bye to the listeners. Oh so. yes, bye everyone. Bye everyone. <laughs>